Generations Church, welcome back. It is our third Sunday in Advent, the Sunday that we, we kind of press ourselves into joy. As Christ enters into our human story, one of the things that he brings is joy. And so I want to I begin with kind of just an idea about joy. This will be on your app. It says, joy is the deeper and more powerful version of happiness. Joy, rooted and grounded in Christ, is unshakable joy. It is what we long for in hard times. Joy is the more powerful version of happiness. Happiness is that momentary experience. If I were at lunch here, to, if we were here at church together and we went to lunch, we went to, to In-N-Out and we, we got In-N-Out, I would be happy. That would make me happy. I like In-N-Out, right? I would be super happy ah, until maybe well, dinner, to be fair, right? And then again, I would be hungry, and we would have to go back to In-N-Out, and I would be happy again, but then the next morning would come, and I like In-N-Out, but In-N-Out for breakfast is kind of weird. So happiness is fleeting. Happiness is that momentary experience. Joy is that internal, deeper, embedded thing that can transcend the external circumstances. Joy, especially joy rooted in Christ, is unshakable joy. That's what we want to talk about today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off last week and keep pressing into this Christmas story that we all celebrate together. Will you pray with me? Jesus, as we gather today, we gather with expectation, with, with longing towards your entering into human history. Much like those who are waiting on a Messiah, we eagerly await your return Jesus, we long for that day when the world is not broken, where the world is not sinful, when the viruses are all gone. On that day where there will be no more suffering, but just we will be with you. Just that, Lord. And on that day, we will have deep, intractable joy. But we want that today. And in Christ and in you, Jesus, we can have that joy. Help us to see that in the passage. Help us to live that out as followers of yours. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 1, we're going to pick up, if you will, in verse 39. This is where we, we read this last week. We didn't really teach through it. We captured this moment almost as a takeaway, an application for Mary that we could apply to our lives. So verse 39 says, in those days, Mary arose and she went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah and she entered into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So lots of things going on here, lots of backstory. And if you're joining us this week, you went around last week, and maybe it's the first time you've ever heard this. Let me just kind of capture some of the big picture things, right? So God has chosen to fulfill his promises, his long-awaited messianic promises, a savior entering into human history, a savior to be born. And so God chooses a young girl named Mary who has never been with a man. She is a virgin. She is a young girl. And God sends an angel, speaks to her and says, listen, you're going to be pregnant right now. God is going to overshadow you, not by a man. It's going to be a miraculous pregnancy. You're going to bear a child. His name will be Jesus because he will be the savior of the world. Now imagine, as we said last week, there's this 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old girl. She's pretty young by most estimates. She hears this and, and imagine all that's going through her mind. Now, she's in a covenantal relationship with a man, meaning she, her parents and his parents have agreed she will marry a man named Joseph. And they haven't been together yet. They're, in that, they're inside of that contractual, if you will, obligated season, but they haven't been married yet. So Joseph has never been with Mary 
as we said. And so Joseph hears this, and here she's pregnant, and just put yourself in Joseph's place, right? You hear your fiance's pregnant, but you haven't been with her. And she says she's never been with anybody else, but she's pregnant. He doesn't believe her, and he says he's going to divorce her or get out of this contract, this covenantal thing that's going to lead to marriage. But God speaks to him and says, listen, this child is my child. She hasn't been with a man. You can remain with her. She's a good girl, and I've chosen her to bring my son into the world. And Joseph, actually, I've chosen you to raise him to be his human father. So this story comes together, and just imagine your younger Joseph and your younger Mary, and you just imagine this story, and imagine all you're taking in, especially Mary, who's a teenage girl. So the angel says to her, the very angel that says she's pregnant, or tells her she's, she will be pregnant, says, listen, your old cousin, your older cousin, cousin past childbearing age, whose name is Elizabeth, she's also miraculously pregnant. Now, not virgin birth, not that, but her and her husband are past childbearing age, and yet they're pregnant. It is a miracle. And so he gives Mary this, this, listen, go talk to your cousin. This kind of like, listen, God can do anything. God can make the miraculous happen. So Mary leaves that conversation, and she goes to be with her cousin Elizabeth. That's where we pick up this story. Mary arrives at Elizabeth's house. Now, I want you to understand Elizabeth for a minute. We focused on Mary last week. I want to tell you a minute, just a bit about Elizabeth. Elizabeth spent her life longing for a child. She wanted to have children. She wanted to be a mom. And her and her husband, Zachariah, tried and tried and tried, and they couldn't have kids. So after, she is, she, after her body has gone on through, on through the changes that would prevent her from having a child, it's after all of that, God, as a forerunner, as a sign about Christ coming, gives her a child who will become John the Baptist. But before she delivers this child, she has this miraculous pregnancy. And I want you to just put yourself in this older woman's place. We don't know how old she is, but I was, I'm going to guess at something. I'm just going to say, okay, she's 70, right? She's 70 years old, and she's past childbearing age, but she's always wanted to be a mom. She wasn't able to be for decades, right? But now she is. And I want you to imagine how Elizabeth feels. Imagine the joy inside of Elizabeth. Here's a note for you. Imagine Elizabeth, an older woman, way past childbearing age, who's always wanted to be a mom, but was unable until now. God gives her a miraculous pregnancy. Joy is what she feels. Good days are bad, do- bad days. Joy is present. It doesn't matter if she is on bed rest for nine full months, right? It doesn't matter if she has morning sickness. All of those negative, hard, challenging, trying things just remind her of this child she's always wanted. She has this deep inner joy. That's what we're talking about today, the joy that Christ gives us. And we have this moment where we see Elizabeth experiencing this joy. And and I say this because this is something a lot of men and women can understand, Many of you have tried to have kids, and many of you have been through this, uh, and that inability to have children. And just imagine that maybe, maybe this is your story too. Maybe you, you went through that season, and then you got to have a child. Now, not miraculous like this, not past childbearing age, not virgin birth, but you know after longing for something, how having that can overshadow all the challenges of life, all the challenges of maybe a pregnancy. That's where we need to find ourselves today in the middle of coronavirus, that, that joy that overshadows, or the, 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 that joy that, uh, that over, uh, outdoes the hardships of life. That's what Jesus brings to us. So back in the story, verse 41, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is 
the most powerful statement, right? This is before Jesus is even born. So it's before he lives, before he dies, before he raises again from the dead. It's before he ascends back to heaven and pours out his Holy Spirit on the church. It's before we as Christians receive the Holy Spirit. So this doesn't always happen. And so what happens is Mary, filled with Jesus in her stomach, young, pregnant, arrives at her cousin's house who has this other miraculous pregnancy, who then the child even knows who this is. The Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth. It's this amazing moment. And what happens is Elizabeth begins to speak, filled with God's Spirit. Elizabeth gets to say, uh, begins to speak these prophetic, amazing, blessing things to Mary. Now remember, Mary heard from Gabriel, the angel, about this pregnancy, and Mary heard lots of things like he's, he's going to inherit the throne of his father David, but his father's name isn't David. David's a king that, ha, that lived, you know, a thousand years prior, right? And so all these things that are going over Mary's head, but she agrees, let it be so. Let me do as God has chosen me to do. And so she arrives at her cousin's house, and her cousin begins to speak her language. She's confused. She's, she's caught in this moment of pregnant without having been with a man. And this, she's actually going to her cousin's, probably because the angel told her to, but also she's going to be away from her family and her home because she doesn't want to live with this pregnancy, and she's not married, and, and trying, because nobody believes her. In fact, the story we read last week, when she tells Joseph he doesn't believe her, and, and we wouldn't believe her. So she goes to be with her cousin. All these things drive her to Elizabeth's house, to Elizabeth and Zechariah, who know exactly what God is doing. Zechariah is this priest and this amazing godly man, and Elizabeth is older and, and, and invested in her faith. And so when Mary walks to the door, the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth, and Elizabeth get, begins to speak Mary's language. She begins to share what God is doing in, in a way that Mary understands. Verse 42, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The only thing greater than the miracle Elizabeth is carrying around inside of her is the miracle God is doing inside of Mary. And Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden knows that. She says, blessed are you among women. You were chosen by God. How blessed is that? Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Amazing what is inside, what God is doing. Elizabeth, uh, told obviously by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, knows that the thousands of years of promise from the garden forward about a Savior coming to rescue His people all those profound promises of God that I will intervene, that I will rescue, that I will save, are now coming true. And Elizabeth gets a glimpse into this. And she speaks to Mary in such a way so that Mary will start understanding this. Verse 43, Elizabeth says, And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? See, the mother of my Lord, the mother of my God, the mother of my Savior. Wow. You're here. I'm blessed. Jesus hasn't been born yet. And, and I get to experience him in my home. I get to be around you who God chose to have this miraculous child. God become flesh. Verse 44 says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment 
of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is important. Elizabeth has this deep joy of her own that she is, that she is under her amazing circumstances, but she is now wildly caught up in Mary's amazing, miraculous circumstances, right? That she is becoming the mother of the Messiah of God, the mother of the Savior of humanity. And she says this, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I I, want to capture this right now. Blessed are you, Mary Elizabeth. She speaks to her, her young cousin. You're blessed because you believed what God would do through you. Blessed are you for believing, she says. We need to understand that blessing isn't just, when everything works out right, that's a blessing. And, And that's great. But for Mary, she's still an unwed, pregnant young girl. Now, Joseph does the right thing. He does marry her, right? There's a, a span of time here, but that'll go right. But right now, she's away from her family for a reason. She's not with Joseph for a reason. And there's, there's this time where things are not right, right? We live in such a time. We live in a time right now, things are not right. And we're preparing for Christmas, not knowing what the restrictions in California will be or other states will be, what the virus will be like. Uh, we don't know, right? The politics of today, are, uh, uh, the, the fires are kind of going down a little bit, but man, we're in this politically divided country. The racial tensions have kind of settled a little, but, I, uh, but again, one thing, and they could spark again. We're in this time right now where we're kind of safer at home and socially distanced, and, and people have lost jobs again as restaurants have closed and different things have happened, and we hear about this Supreme Court decision and this governor doing this and this thing and this thing, and we hear this, we hear this noise all around us, and, and, and it's hard to take it all in. We hear this scientist and this doctor, and we hear conflicting things, and it's, it is such turmoil right now, and the, the situation we live in right now are so crazy, it makes sense to look back at Mary, whose life is a bit upside down, and hear the words that say this, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed are we today if we can trust and believe in what God has told us. Here's a note for you. Here's Elizabeth's message. Elizabeth, amidst her own amazing pregnancy, tells Mary that inside of her is the fulfillment of the promises of God. Mary carries with her the Savior of the world. Mary, I want to say it again. Mary carries with her the Savior of the world because she believed, because she agreed. Now, we don't know if she had said, no, I don't want to do that. She could have been like Moses, like, hey, can you pick somebody else? I don't really talk very well, right? If she had said that, we don't know what God would have done. I mean, God went ahead and used Moses. But Mary is different. She agrees. She says, let it be so. If God has said it, okay. She believes that God will do something amazing. She believes. We don't know how many days later is she showing? Is she feeling? We don't know. We just know that everybody else doesn't believe her, and she goes to Elizabeth's house, who does believe her, and she believes that inside of her, she carries the Savior of the world, that Jesus God in human flesh. She may not know all this. She may not understand theologically who Jesus is and the dual nature of the divinity and humanity of Christ. She may not know any of that. She knows she's carrying the promise of God, though. And Elizabeth tells her in no uncertain terms, blessed are you, you're carrying Jesus. 
And your belief, Mary, is what matters. You believe what God is doing. That's a great place for us to understand our role today during these crazy things going on all around us. And, and whether we're at home and, and we're just kind of being obedient because that's the right thing to do is to submit to authority as, as Scripture teaches us, or whether we're at home and we're afraid of the virus, or whether we're going out and doing things and we're unafraid, it doesn't really matter. We're all impacted by this, this thing that's going on, and our faith needs to be in God. If we're at home waiting on a solution to the virus and not trusting in God, we're probably not joyful. And if we're running around angry about the lack of things we can do because we don't believe in any of it or we're not worried about any of it, and but our faith is not in God, then we're probably not joyful. And if we're just at home, and I, I've been here myself, we're, we're just being distant so that we're obedient, but we're not trusting in God, then probably not joyful. And so joy, when we talk about joy, it's Mary's belief that she is blessed by, it's that she trusts in God. Her circumstances are crazy, but she trusts in God. Her cousin says, listen, blessed are you for your belief. Now, here's Mary's response, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. We just read a passage last week and today, where Mary is called blessed, right? Mary, in a moment of faith and belief and joy, cries out like all people are going to call me blessed, because, not because of me, but because of what God did through me. Something I couldn't have controlled and done, God chose and used me, and every generation is going to know God used me. She says my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. My, my lowliness. Like she knows she's not qualified for any of this, but God's chosen her anyhow. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. They'll say, God used me. Not because of me, but because God. But God used me. We can be that. We can be those who are used by God really in spite of our unworthiness, in spite of our lowly state, our sinful state, our imperfectness. Just this, this sense of circumstances compared to circumstances. Her circumstances are less than normal, and they're not good, and they're hard, and, and she had to endure going through telling her fiance, listen, I'm pregnant, but I didn't do anything wrong. And her her fiance not believing her, and I imagine, though we're not told this, so I'm just, I'm adding to the story, so I could be wrong, but I imagine that conversation went with her parents too. Like, hey, I'm pregnant, but I swear I didn't do anything. And I'm sure her parents just didn't buy it. It's not until God speaks to Joseph that he believes her. The only person so far that's believed her is Elizabeth. So imagine her circumstances are not what she asked for, but she is, knows God is using her. We, we can be that today. We can be used in these crazy, tumultuous times. If our faith is in Christ, if, if we trust in the promises of God, if we know that God is good, that God has a plan, that God is working out His plan now, even though we don't know what it is, we can be used by God. Verse 49, for He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Mary just begins, it's called the Magnificat, she just begins to proclaim and worship. She just, she bursts at this moment with joy. She just proclaims these things, and she's probably, up until 
this moment where Elizabeth knows what God is doing, it's just embracing, okay, this is actually a good thing. This is amazing what God is doing. I know the circumstances surrounding it are hard, but what God is doing is amazing. And she bursts with joy. Verse 50, it says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. God's mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She knows that the child she will bear will save people for generations to come. That his mercy will flow from generation to generation. This is a a young girl 2,000 years ago who is saying something that is true for you and I today. That God created you and me and loves us, but we have sinned and we have run away from God. We've like divorced God, cheated on God, divorced God, ran from God, but God loved us enough to pursue us. And so God's pursuit of us caused him to to take this young girl 2,000 years ago and bring God in human flesh, Jesus, the Son of God, into human history that he would come into this world without sin and that he would live without sinning. He would live the life that you and I are called to live, but we have all failed, but we all choose to fail. We know we sin. We know we're flawed. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at me. I, I sin. You know the same about you too. That for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that, that's, that, that, that quote from Romans just rings out so true. We all know we fall short. In fact, if we're honest, we all know we choose to fall short often. But God loves us. But God in this moment now reveals himself how much he loved us, that he would just interrupt this girl's life and that she would willingly do this, that we might have salvation, that Jesus would then go on to live a sinless life and die a death that you and I deserve. But he didn't. That he would die a death in our place, being sinless, the perfect sacrifice to redeem us back to God. The the perfect payment to satisfy all the wrath that we have incurred for our sin. So that Jesus would pay our penalty and reconcile us to God. So that God, when he looks down at us and he sees our sin, he shows us mercy because the debt has been paid by Jesus. So Jesus will go on to die for our sin and resurrect to give us new life. Salvation is new life. That all who would put their trust in Jesus will live. Not just live now, live eternally. But not just live eternally, also live now. That we will be empowered by God to live today. To be joyful today no matter what our circumstances are around us. That no matter the external circumstances, internally we can have a deep and unshakable joy because internally we know that Jesus has paid it all, that Jesus has reconciled us to God, that we are secure in our faith in Jesus. Matthew says this in in chapter 9, says, and Jesus passed on from there, and two blind men were following, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David, and he entered the house, and the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. These blind men, later on, as Jesus is grown up and an adult and gone into his three-year season of vocational ministry before he goes to the cross, and it's early in his ministry, these blind men are following him around, and if you read it in some of the other gospels, they're yelling, son of David, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me, and they're yelling over the crowds and over his speaking and doing all this, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David is this prophetic look into the future of a, a, a king that will reign eternally, the very words that Gabriel told Mary last week that we looked at. 
son of David, have mercy on me. And he says, do you believe that I can do this? They say, yes. He says, and you're healed. And he heals them. He restores to them their sight. He gives to them what they were missing. See, the gospel is that, that if we believe in Jesus, he restores to us what we are missing. He gives to us a spirit, the Holy Spirit, but our spirit too. He awakens us from spiritual death and gives us spiritual life, and it is by faith. Just as Elizabeth said, bless are you, Mary, because you believe. Well, the blessing comes to us too as we believe what Jesus has done for us. That mercy is shown to those who believe. That we come to faith by belief, by asking Jesus, will you forgive my sin? Will you awaken my spirit? Will you include me in your family? All of this wraps up in and young Mary. Here she is before all of this takes place, believing that what God has said he will do, he is doing and he's using her. Back in the passage, verse 51, it says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Mary sees this bigger picture that God is using his strength, not human strength. That God is reconciling humanity to God, but not by human strength, but by divine strength. That God is overcoming obstacles by his power in ways that only God can do. You know, today in our lives, maybe we need to hear that, that our circumstances are beyond what we control. No matter where you are in this whole pandemic, whether you're over it and you're just ready to get back to normal life and you're just, man, I, I want to do this, I'm not worried about it, or if you're over here where you're terrified that this thing will kill you, and those are the, those are the extreme answers and lots of people fall in the middle of these two things, but no matter where you are in this, we can't control it. We can't control what the government says, We can't control what we feel about the virus. We can't control our surroundings in our life, which sometimes forces us but causes us to lift our eyes up above our circumstances and look to the God who can control them, who can overcome them, who is greater than our circumstances. Verse 53, it says, He filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever, right? Mary knows God is keeping his promises through me. I carry in me Christ, the Savior of the world. Mary says, I'm carrying salvation with me. It's an amazing moment that Mary's eyes are awake, and her reaction is worship and joy. She's now understanding exactly what God or maybe not exactly, she's understanding her role in this. There are unending implications that, that will come from Jesus that she may not be grasping right now, but she gets her place in the story. And the story hasn't played out yet, so it's, it's her place by faith in the story because the story hasn't happened yet. She, but she knows her role. I, it's like she's saying, I sense where God has me in this and I, I know what I'm supposed to do now. I think that's what we need to be today. We don't understand everything. We don't necessarily understand what God is doing through us in this moment, through us as a church, through us as individuals, through you, through me. But we can know that God is using us, that we can trust that by faith, God is using you and me. And like Mary, who understands all of a sudden, okay, I understand now, like I carry salvation in my womb, like I'm carrying the Savior with me as I go. I want to go back to a slide that we put up earlier 
that kind of has that moment captured in it. I just, this is a slide from earlier. It said, Elizabeth, amidst her own amazing pregnancy, proclaims to Mary that inside of her is the greatest promise of God. Mary carries with her the Savior of the world. Mary has come to this conclusion. Elizabeth said it. Now Mary understands it. Mary now is proclaiming with worship, with joy, I'm carrying salvation with me. Hold that thought. Let me put this slide up. Like Mary, we too carry inside of us the living Savior of God. Christ has come to us and we bear him to the world. Our joy is giving Christ away to others. Here's our role. No, we're not carrying a child. We're carrying the gospel. We carry Christ with us. No matter where we go, no matter what we are doing, right or wrong, good witness or bad witness, we carry our faith with us. And when done right, when trusting Jesus, we then carry the message that Jesus brought to us, the message that Jesus accomplished with his life, literally. We carry that to others. It is our joy as followers of Jesus to be message bearers, to carry Christ with us to the world around us. Today, we get to celebrate baptisms. At the end of the message, at the end of the service, excuse me, we're going to invite you to jump off this and jump onto a live stream from a phone where we're going to be outside and we're going to celebrate baptisms again. We're celebrating that people are receiving the message of Jesus, that they're, they're hearing the message from us, they're taking the message, and they're realizing, okay, now we, we bear the message to others. And that's how we find that unshakable joy, no matter what our circumstances are, that we bear Christ to one another that the message of hope this year at Christmas when nothing else is going well is that we bring joy through Christ. Will you pray with me? As we gather this year, be it as families independently in homes or in smaller gatherings or at, at, at online like we're doing church, Lord, help us to share joy. Help us to believe and trust that you have a plan, that you are God, that you do, you are sovereign over this. You do have a plan, and you desire to use us in it. Like Mary, a young girl who hears a message that is way beyond what she can understand. Sometimes we just don't understand our role in the plan. But God, then you allow people to speak into that, and, and, and then it clicks, and the light goes on, and we're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And then there's this unshakable joy that you have given us, and we give it away to others. And so I pray that this year would be such a significant Christmas, not because of great big presents or great big parties or lots of or any of those things that we normally lean into, but may you reveal yourself to us, Jesus, in a brand new, in a giant brand new way this year, and let it embed joy deep inside our hearts. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.